Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Creative Insider. Uh, thank you so much for the support. The last week, uh, we have reached uh, the first super big milestone for me, which was 1,000 downloads. So thank you very much all around the world um, because you were been super supportive and motivating for me to keep going and uh, and to achieve this. Uh, it may sound a small achievement, but for me it means a lot because I started from zero and um, the podcast is growing and thank you very much. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, today is the 17th of August. So hey, it's my birthday. Happy birthday to me. So cool. Um, and now to introduce you my guest, I'm very happy to have today uh, Nabil Rajoub. Nabil is a former colleague of mine and a dear friend and he lives in Berlin, but he's originally from Syria. So he will tell us the story about how he became an architect, even if he wasn't uh, wanting or meaning to be an architect and how he left Syria for Lebanon, then moved to Germany. And yeah, his story is with a lot of challenges and his life is still a little challenging for and the rest of us can sound very harsh, but I think it's very important to tell us also these stories. And he's also a very good uh, architect and you can learn a lot from his projects. I'll link in the description. So thank you. Enjoy. And yeah, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. The whole world stops just like that. Hello, Nabil. How are you doing? Hey, Georgi. I'm going. I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, you're very, very welcome. Thank you for accepting my invitation. My so, um, for the people who don't know you, you are a former colleague of mine, and we have had a very good relationship as uh, working together. That's so good. it's nice to hear from you again. Thanks. Thanks. It's it's. I'm um, really glad, as you said, to be on your podcast and to to have the chance to to have a conversation with you. I have been following uh, your podcast from the since the beginning, and uh, I am I'm really inspired with all the stories and all your guests that you had on your podcast, and uh, I'm glad just uh, to be here. Yeah, thank you. I think uh, you were a little humbled by my invitation, but I think that uh, also your story will be super interesting. And uh, I've heard part of it, but um, I'm very curious to know more more about more about your story today because uh, you know it's uh, interesting. No, nobody today has the time to sit with you for one and a half hour or two to to talk about your life and uh it's i think it's very interesting and when it's finished the conversation you feel very connected to, uh, with the yeah. person yeah yeah that's definitely true i i 100 agree i as i said uh, you had on your show a lot of creative minds and uh, when you sent me the invitation and you told me i want you to be there also on, on the podcast i was wow okay <laughs> Uh, but I, I hope that uh, your audience will enjoy the story that I have. I think I think they will, and I enjoy it also because um, your story is very original, and I think that um, people nowadays don't have the occasion to hear stories uh, like you directly from the people, uh, but just from media or just from other people. So it will be very cool. Yeah. But let's start from the beginning. So. Um, 
when in your life you are an architect as I am and uh, when in your life you decided you wanted to to study something like architecture or being creative or how did it start this idea in you okay um, I believe the answer won't be the typical that you will usually hear uh, I didn't want to be an architect at the first place. Let me go back to how our education system works in Syria. I mean, um, uh, you you basically have until the ninth grade, everyone study the same the, the same things. Like you don't have any guidance or specification or to to guide the student through. Everyone study the same. Either you fail or you go forward. After that, you have. Um, three uh, majors like economy field or like industrial field or like general field. General field includes everything like uh, medicine, uh, engineering, every everything else like you can. So uh, you go through that until you get to your um, last, last year of your uh, high school uh, where you have this uh, year where you do this big exam which decide your fate, let's say. And until to this point, I wanted to, to study dentist because my, my uncle was a dentist and uh, we were having a, a talk quite a lot. And I said, okay, that's, that seems cool. And, you know, it's, it's the, the person that um, inspire you or like the person that you talk to a lot is the one at your this this life stage will affect what what you want in somehow uh, so yeah and then after doing this one big exam my grade wasn't enough to go to dentists uh, to do to, to study dentist so I uh, I did uh, I saw my options let's say and uh, I did the, uh, the exam to enter the architecture school on an advice from a friend, and I failed. <laughs> <laughs> you failed to get into architecture. Exactly. Okay. I failed. So as I said, it's, it's not a typical. So I studied the, the, the year of this high school, like because you had the chance to, to do one other one chance, like next year. You know? So I did that. To say, okay, I will take all the chances that I have. And uh, again, the grades were not enough to get to what I want exactly, because it's, it's so stressful at that point. Because uh, so you wanted to be still a dentist the year you tried again. Uh, yes. Yes, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, but after, as I said, the grade wasn't uh, wasn't uh, enough for that. Um, here, I a father, my father, introduced me to his friend who was an architect, and he started to like talk me more about architecture and what's the rule of architects and what's to be done. And uh, then I, I started to have another idea about the field and he like guided me how to do the exam and how to, to, to do it the right way. And here I took the exam again, I passed and then I entered the architecture school. And uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically how I get into, the, into architecture. What, what 
uh, how old were you back then and what year are we talking about? We are talking now here year 2007, the first try, 2008, the second try. So I studied and architecture 2008. Cool. And in which, in which university did you start studying architecture? That was a, a university called Al-Bath University. It's in Homs, Syria. The city I came from, I didn't, I didn't say the name of the city. It's Homs. It's uh, um, in the middle of the country. It's the third largest city in Syria. And uh, when you when you start studying, how how was your first uh, um, first time in architectural school? How was the education there? How was your um, how did you feel like when you started actually studying architecture? Uh, luckily, you know, there's people that get into a field and they don't like it and they just want to drop out. And that wasn't the case for me. Luckily, I, I liked architecture. I liked um, the field and uh, I, I went uh, through it fully. Uh, but the education system there, I don't know, you once said how, how the studios are like you ha always have every year first of all like we have five years five years of study for a bachelor which is called bachelor of engine uh, uh, like bachelor of architectural engineering which is not very common uh, because you have the combination between design and uh, engineering like the civil engineer part engineering part of the study and uh, the the university or each year was packed of people like we have 150 person and you are divided basically into one or two uh, studio like several studios seven studios you have the same design topic and then you have one professor that supervise all this so you really see that i guess you once mentioned that that in italy it's the same way right yeah, you are. When you are a lot of people, you don't have a lot of. I mean, you have uh, general guidance from the teachers, and then mean you need to manage a lot on yourself. And um, I mean, the the professor have assistants, which are like PhD students, and they help you. Exactly. Um, yeah. But the the professors themselves, um, they they see your project once in a while, not not very often, because you're like hundred people or something. I mean, not hundred, but around seventy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's the same case for us, and um, it wasn't it wasn't the best um, method of education when I compare it to what I saw in Germany, for example, when I came here. Like I remember in Syria, in our very first project, as a freshman students, we were asked to design a house and to provide sketches of its exteriors. And then our professor just recommended us sources of inspiration uh, from American home styles of New England or, I don't know, randomly picture that it's not related or connected in any way to, to our reality in Syria, you know? And then, like, you end up uh, with design that's detached from what's there and somehow. And um, you, you've, uh, how long did you study in Syria architecture? Uh, I studied five years. Five years, and then you got a master or a bachelor. Bachelor, and that's that's what I, in my opinion, it's too much. Like for a bachelor, to have five years of study, it's too much. Like three years would have been more than enough. 
Uh, and as I said, it's kind of, I felt it's, uh, it's repetitive uh, in terms of the design studio. Of course, the themes will vary, but also there wasn't that proper guidance. Um, people will look a lot for, for uh, reference images and then like try, try to imitate that. So like one Syrian architect, uh, she wrote a book about the situation in Syria in terms of architecture. She, I am, and I'm quoting here, she was describing her, her study in the same university I studied in. She said like, it was like eating bites and pieces from all over the world blindfolded and then trying to understand the art of cookery like it was the same for us like there were no historical philosophical or intellectual background for 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 the designs that we are doing well when i was a student they they also make us look a lot of of uh, architectures that have been already designed from other architects also in the past like Le Corbusier and Miss Van der Rohe, mm-hmm. but they also told us how to read architecture, which was very useful because um, they made us in the first uh, design project in Rome. Uh, they make you analyze, like uh, because you design uh, villas in my class was villas. We need to design uh, mm-hmm. residential, so we we've learned how to analyze the spaces, how they are put together. Uh, the proportions of facade. So uh, it was like um, teaching you what are the ingredients and also teaching you to understand how the ingredients works together. So it was, I think it was very useful teaching because nowadays when I start a new project, uh, because in the university they cannot teach you every kind of project. For example, you've never maybe planned an airport or never planned something, some kind of building. So when you know where to look at other at other yeah, buildings, yeah, I think it's yeah, useful. Definitely. I mean, I mean, I am not talking here negatively about all the education that I get in Syria. Of course, I, I get the tools, I get the way, the method of, of how to handle each task, each new task. And there were like the, the assistants, like the, the, not the, the professor, but the assistants, they were also helping us a lot to, to, to go how to do that project in an appropriate way. Yeah, I had this conversation also with one of my past guests, um, Jürgen Saliani. He's, um, he has studied in Greece. That was, uh, I think, podcast number 13. So if the people who are curious can go to check that one. And he was saying that uh, he went to work for Rem Colas at uh, OMA. Mm-hmm. And he worked there with people from Harvard, from the AA of London. And he said, well, I tried to, un- to explain them where my university in Greece was. And I told him, I, I think it's not about only I mean, being in a good school. It's a lot also about how passionate you are yourself on the subject. Because even if you go to the best school of architecture in the world and you're lazy and you don't want to do anything with it, then you won't get successful just because of, of the quality. But I, I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. And so um, you've studied um, five years and you have completed your studies. How were your grades in, in the university? Did you get better? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, no, the grades, the grades were, were good. Like first, first, um, first year was a bit difficult until you get to use how the system was, how, how everything, but then it, it got better and better. But let me, let me tell you here, like the, the my, my study there, the five years wasn't 
a normal five years. Like it was until two and a half years we were in a normal situation, like until 2011. And that's where the situation in Syria started to go down, let's say. <laughs> and uh, the city I came from, my city, uh, it was the among the first that uh, start uh, protests and uh, fights uh, in, in the city. So from 2011, uh, like middle of this year, until I graduated, it wasn't a normal education at all. Like uh, the university stopped for a while, and then like we were going back and forth. Sometimes the road, uh, like to go to the university, was sometimes dangerous. You don't, you do, you don't, uh, you cannot go, or if you go, you are risking it. So it was, it was uh, difficult. I would say the last two and a half years there. Yeah. And um, yeah, you've told me a lot about this stuff. Uh, that was um, so, but uh, it did it generated suddenly, or how how quickly that generated the situation, and how bad was it? To be honest, it was it was very quickly. Like we were a normal second, third year students having our life. There was there wasn't any signs that something could happen, and uh, yeah, out of the sudden, in, in two three months, the the situation escalated very quickly. People started to protest. Uh, the government were like uh, shut them down, and then like back and forth, and then like it's too complicated. I don't want to go into the details of this, but uh, it took us by surprise for sure. And here you start seeing, okay, what's going on? What should I do now? What's what's the future? And uh, you don't know. And uh, back to to architectural topic here. I in 2011, I am um, I volunteered in uh, in the organization which, uh, Red um, Crescent, uh, like it's like the Red Cross uh, yeah. in Syria, and. Uh, what I really like that I worked, like I, I applied what I learned in architecture in the, the, the humanitarian field. Because um, when the situation started, the people will, be, will have been internally uh, displaced, you know, uh, like, like let's say refugees. They came from other area of the city to, to others or around our city. And then they need to have a place to stay. So then, uh, of course, with the guidance with more experienced architects, uh, I was working, for example, there were, I remember one school, which was um, still, uh, there's, there's no finishing. It's only a structure, the, the concrete structure is built. And we said, okay, we need to use this school to accommodate these people. So uh, it was summer, so there was no, not a big problem of, uh, of uh, like it's being cold or it's raining. So starting to, to see the layout and to divide and to say this, this area is suitable better for this and let's uh, make a smart division using the curtains or whatever and like the... That needs to be here. That's to be done this way. Here, I really started looking to architecture in a, in a different way, where it's really for 
for helping people, for making better place, even even in these difficult times. So that's for me was was uh, a moment where I okay, I I, I studied the right thing. <laughs> And and then of course you probably were also happy to see that what was your uh, knowledge and ability was uh, making other people was helping other people in the difficulty of the situation I guess because um, those people were well happy not happy but I mean like in in the disgrace they had they were a little helped let's say yeah yeah definitely that that's the feeling there like I I, I didn't only worked or helped in terms of my knowledge or the architecture uh, but also I was doing the, the volunteering work uh, distributing the, the aids uh, for the people in need uh, going uh, doing different stuff so that's the feeling of uh, of helping uh, in that time was like really really satisfying I would say And in which condition did you complete your studies? Because I guess if you say like basically half of your studies you were um, in sort of a war field, um, how did you manage to make your thesis to have reviews or was it special? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was really, it was really difficult. It's when when I recall the memories now, like um, it was it was a difficult time uh, because. The city was, in general, in a bad situation where, the, for example, electricity will be gone for half of a day or even more, sometimes days, I don't know. Then you cannot charge your computer, you cannot work on your thesis. And then, like, okay, the professor says, okay, we cancel this week, we do it next week. You go there and uh, something happened. You can, like, I remember one time we went to, in the fourth year, to do, to do an exam. Uh, in, at the university uh, and then uh, suddenly at the university a mortar bombs start falling and everyone started to panic uh, people got injured and then everyone stopped the exam and okay now we are we need to go home how and we waited like uh, in the Uh, ground floor for a while and then like okay we need to take our chances to go I had a car I run with a friends to the car and like starting drive as fast as you can just at that time you want to be home like because you don't know what the situation outside will be like and that's not uh, the proper environment to to <laughs> to educate yourself with architecture you know Uh, but it worked. I mean, we managed uh, to to finish it uh, at the end. Like the five year, the the, the last year, um, it got better when I did my thesis. The situation got a little bit better, so there I managed to do my thesis a little bit in a better condition. So how how often have you been experiencing this? Uh, And you, you've been bombed by by planes, basically, or for from. Uh, no, no, not not. Um, I would say this the part of the city that I was in. It's not by planes. It's this called mortal, I guess, mortal bomb. I don't know, which is get uh, shorted from area around the city. So it's it's a ground. Uh, 
was cool. But what kind of they are the explosion like super destroying, like tearing uh, down? It, yeah, some of them was there like this, but uh, most of them where they got the damage in an uh, not a very big radius, but radius that is big enough to to make a big damage to to the people. And uh, that's the thing they were mostly targeting the the places where they have more uh, the, the most crowded places to make the biggest damages uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and you in in the past you have told me also stories that there were sometimes uh, like snipers around the city which was also a big problem and uh, you know they would just uh, you don't know which side they yeah. are from you don't know if they're gonna if they're trading you or not it's crazy yeah yeah i mean uh, when i call these memories it's uh, really crazy when i think about it right now i mean one time as i said also my um, uh, uncle families uh, like they were living all in an area where it's it start having a fight in it. So they had to leave the, the area out of the southern and they came to our home because it was in the other part of the city. And basically they went out without having anything with them. So after a couple of days, the situation there started to get better. So they said, okay, let's just go back and take the valuable stuff, our paperwork, that's, it's really needed. We just need to get this. And uh, I remember going there with them by car. It was like, like a zombie zone. There, there's nothing and everything was destroyed. And we went there to, to get our stuff. And uh, around the corner in the other street, uh, we start hearing shouting, people shouting. And we wanted to check out, and then apparently there were a sniper from the other side who shot at someone that was just crossing the street. And uh, basically, you cannot help him. The, the, the guy was still alive, but you cannot go and help this person because you will get shot yourself. And that's that was a, the, a big shock for me because you cannot help. You see this this scene which is seems like a hollywood movie and i couldn't believe that happened happening in our city so we quickly just took our stuff got in get in the car and we went into the other direction uh, and later we heard that uh, no one could help uh, could have helped this this person and and how big how how many inhabitants had your city or have your city uh, I would say six uh, six hundred thousand. Okay, so it's uh, I mean for for the people who are listening from 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 another from other countries like Frankfurt is seven hundred thousand. So it's like a proper big city, probably. It is the and, third and largest city. Yeah, the third largest city, and it's uh, people have to imagine like a norm. It it was a very normal city before the the war, like. Uh, with hospitals, football fields, probably with with everything like a city. Yeah, normally having everything we do, our activities like uh, normal people, nothing. There was no signs, but yeah, it it, it did happen. And uh, and and what at what point did you decide that you're gonna move abroad? That you wanna that you you're gonna leave Syria? And how that happened? 
Uh, after graduation, uh, that's that's something still still. Um, I am a bit sad about it because everyone have always uh, the choice, the freedom of choice to stay in the country or leave. Like yourself, once you said that after graduation, you said the situation, the working condition in, in Italy is not the, the best, so you decided to come to Germany. I guess you won't say that. Uh, for me, I didn't have this situation. I didn't. I didn't have this um, option, like to okay to see. Okay, let me see how the situation in my city. Like, do I want to work here, uh, live here, and okay, I'm happy here. I didn't because we have after graduation, you will go directly to military, military service, and usually before the situation, it was for two years. But after the situation started, it was open, which is the crazy part. I know people that went there in 2012, and they still in the military till now. So I really didn't have the choice. I said, okay, I need to go out. Where, like Lebanon was most the only country that can let me in. And uh, I, the, the, my my dad's friends, he's an architect, the same the same one I told you about. He was working there, so he said, "Come, and uh, we are thinking about uh, opening something to to work here. So you you might uh, come and work with us." So yeah, that's that's basically what was the the reason or the decision of leaving the country. And which which city did you move into in Lebanon? In Lebanon, uh, firstly, I lived for a couple of months in Beirut, which is sadly also probably you heard the news now. Uh, last week, it was like this massive explosion, which is really made me sad because I knew all these places also that got affected. I was always around this, these places. So, yeah, that's that's also... Yeah. yeah, and that was also super weird because now we don't now that caught like one single explosion there caused a big mess because they they have destroyed like I I've read they've destroyed the um, a lot of the reserves of food they had because every country storage like uh, food for 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 in case of need security that's yeah yeah food security and and the city it's uh, blown up the the air is now polluted and uh and from from what i've heard it's just been uh you know they storage this explosive material in a cor- incorrect way and uh and for this, it was, i cannot believe that they stored these materials in a port in the middle of the city for six years uh that's just crazy but uh, the country since i was there was always it's a very beautiful country and i love it but it was so much to uh, have this problem with the corrupted governments and uh, yeah and it leads to to such a situation in the end so um, yeah back I, I lived for a couple of months there uh, and then I moved to a city called uh, Jubel uh, which is a very beautiful city on the coast side uh, and uh, yeah I worked I worked there for a small office, uh, which is more or less like um, uh, real estate development, I would say. 
uh, and yeah, there it was a mix between design and site, going to the site and uh, supervising the work. But to move to Lebanon, did you need to do a visa procedure, something, um, or you could just move? Uh, how how did that work? Yeah, it was it was also not that easy. Like to let you in, it's, it was open, so you go you can go in, but then. Um, you need to register yourself each six months, pay a certain fees. And when I went there in 2013 was that, at the end of 2013, it was easier a little bit. And it got uh, like more and more difficult. They started make it more strict, not letting more people in. And even the people that are there, they won't give you a permit to work really. So it was a messy situation in this uh, in these two years that I stayed in Lebanon. Uh, but basically for me, it was a station. Like I knew from the beginning when I went there, it's not like I am going to stay there. I wanted to, I want to, to, to have another destination. So it was kind of a station in between, uh, but it also wasn't clear. What, what what's the next step that I need to do? But when you when you left Syria, did uh, did you get some help from your parents to have some money to stay there for a while, or how did yeah, you manage? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for the first one and a half month, I got uh, a support from my parents, but after that, basically, I was at my own in more or less uh, but luckily as i said I, I i managed to find this job which was enough for me to cover uh, my ex living expenses and a bit on the side to to do whatever courses or like applications um, i need i need to do um, and how, mu how much does an architect earn in Lebanon back then? I mean, if you can compare it to euros or dollars or whatever. I mean, there, I would say 1,300 or 200. That's what I, I basically was this year. But I guess uh, for more experienced one, like let's say five years, uh, it might go Five, 1, 500, 600. So it's not that much. 1,500, euros. Dollars. Dollars. Okay, that yeah. sounds good. Yeah, yeah, I mean that mostly for for um, Lebanese people, let's say, because uh, they didn't have a lot of foreigners or not a lot will come to work there. Uh, but mostly they will go solo there, like they will do their uh, freelance work, most of the architects there. And that's where it, paid all, it pays off, basically. Okay, and, and you've worked there two years and uh, you have gained some experience. Uh, what kind of project did you work on in Lebanon? Uh, first... Um, in terms of, let me just put you in, in the image of what I wanted to do. Basically, I wanted to go to Europe since I went there. So, But it wasn't clear for me what country I want to pursue my study there. So the first idea was to go to France because I have relatives there. And I said, okay, let's, let me go and continue my study there. So I started uh, to learn French language. 
which is uh, I only managed to do till A2. And after that, I found out that it's very difficult to get the visa because that's another part. Getting a visa to come to Europe at that time, it was very difficult. Like you will most likely get rejected. And uh, when I heard it's, it's difficult to go to France, then um, I said, okay, uh, let me improve my English because also my English at that time wasn't that good. Uh, so I started to do language courses uh, and do the exams that needed to get uh, accepted in schools to study out there. And during that time, I was working at that uh, at that small office, and mostly I was working for um, on a residential residential project. Uh, basically, I worked on two projects, but. Luckily, from the beginning, from a very early design stage, we were only two person. So that's let me get involved really uh, into all the process. Uh, since like you design until you get the pyramids, uh, pyramids, and then uh, you go on the site and you start seeing everything shaping up. And it's very different from how they do it here in Germany. Like in Germany, you know how many phases they have and how everything needs to be written and you need to to have it with a proper drawing for it there it was like really freestyle <laughs> uh, it was more or less you go to the partner you have the basic drawings and then you tell the people the contractor there okay do this do it in this way i need it that way and like you supervise basically <laughs> well, I guess it's because maybe they don't have that many regulations as here in Germany. Um, but you have mentioned you wanted to study French, then you decided not to study French because it was hard uh, to get into Europe. Um, mm -hmm. And at, at what point did you decide to, to come to Germany? And couldn't you go to France? Like, I don't know, because... Um, when there is a war, you can ask for like a political asylum or something like this, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's it's not like the way you think. Like you go to the embassy and you say, oh, I want to go there as, because there's a war. You cannot do that because basically you have two million people was in, in Lebanon and like another three in Turkey and I don't know half of the country is outside seeking asylum, so you cannot do it this easy. Like people were taking this dangerous road, sea, uh, sea road to reach Greece and then like to uh, get into Europe, I don't know, in, in one way, in each way. So you cannot do it like as simple as that. You need to have a, a proper reason to go. You say, I want to study, I have all the the, the the requirements that you need. Uh, there's people that went through the embassy uh, to do this, but they were very, very limited. They were like as cases where they knew that they are like a family, that they are really, really in need. Uh, they have injuries or whatever, and then the, they will take these people. But in my case, it, it won't be. It wasn't possible actually. So I, I decided to come to Germany because it was the most logical uh, uh, decision because they are, you know, German. Like they have one, two, three, four, five. If you give us this, 
we will give you the visa while the others uh, you might uh, bring everything and like eventually you don't get uh, the visa so yeah i worked on uh, finding an, a university uh, basically in english because uh, it wasn't also possible for me to complete the whole german levels there uh, i just did until at five or two there and i get an, uh, an acceptance from uh, an architecture school here in germany i applied for a visa and uh, Wait, school Uh, it's called, uh, it's in uh, hopefully Anhat. It's an international program called uh, Dessau International Architecture uh, in Dessau, like Bauhaus Dessau. Um, and it's one of a very few um, English program in Germany that studies design. Like, uh, or at least at that time, what I, what I have found. And, uh, okay, and then you... Um... How did you manage to move from Lebanon to Germany? Because I guess the expenses you had in, in Lebanon were way lower than the German one because, uh, well, Germany, it's, uh, well, it depends where you are in Germany, but it's not so cheap to live here. I guess it's... Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and and what, I, what I used to make there, it's not enough to, to have it aside and to come and live in Germany. It's about that. I simply uh, lent uh, money from a relative to, to cover my first year, which I said, okay, I will be back when I start working. Uh, and uh, yeah, and it was a requirement from the embassy that to have uh, in your bank account this amount of money that covers your first year of study. Uh, and yeah, luckily, luckily it worked out. Uh, around how much did you need for? At that for time, uh, to uh, 8,000. 200 euro. Oh, okay. Uh, so, now yeah. it, I guess now it's 10,000 or 11,000 because uh, they, each year they increase the number, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And now I was uh, was wondering because, for example, me personally, I guess that a lot of the people who live in the well, West countries, let's say, or have West Western culture, um, don't know about the different cultures uh, in the Eastern countries or Middle East. I don't know if it's Syria, it's considered Middle East or... It is, it is, I think. Um, how, was, how was the cultural difference uh, between Syria and Lebanon and how were you accepted there? Um, um, first of all, you, you speak all, all you speak Ar Arabic or what language do you speak? Now you are talking about uh, Lebanon, huh? uh, Yeah, Lebanon. When you moved from Syria to Lebanon, how were you accepted in Lebanon uh, from the locals? How was your life there? How was your relations to the Lebanese people? And mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, firstly, for, in terms of language, uh, we all speak Arabic. We understand each other very, very well. Uh, it's just a matter of um, accent, I would say or some uh, sentences or words that they use it in a, in a different in a different way. But other than that, it's uh, there were no language barrier. Culturally, it was a bit different, uh, but not that much different. Like it was more open than Syria, uh, and uh, basically that the Lebanese people mostly, or at the time when I was there. They are. They were mostly like welcoming people, 
because they are themselves experienced the horror of, of having a war or a situation in your country and they know what that means to them uh, so when I was there it was uh, I didn't face really a, a problem uh, from the people from the locals but that didn't last long unfortunately because uh, the number started to increase massively like can you you can imagine that Lebanon is a country with a two million inhabitants or something I don't know two and a half and then you brought one million from outside like like one million Syrian came to to Lebanon at that time so that's that was simply too much like I, I can imagine how it is so and, uh, and what make them upset what because, um, because I mean yeah. yeah. Having having a million person there, like you have all kind of people then, like you know, you have you have uh, the good and the bad, and like there people, some people were acting unresponsibly uh, toward the country they 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 seek their soon in, and uh, yeah, and that's that's started to upset people there because they said, okay, we we are good with you, we we did. Uh, everything possible but that's cannot work and of course there's also certain amount of people from the Lebanese themselves they were also not very welcoming or open so it was too complicated like you will hear a story there story here but generally in general personally I didn't face face a big problem except when I will go to extend my residence permit here here it wasn't it wasn't that much uh, fun i see and then uh, when you arrived to germany um how was your student life how was being back to the university and uh how did you find the place how did you settle here in germany well i would say uh, luckily i i I have uh, my aunt. She lives in Germany since 25 years. They live in Berlin. And uh, basically, I just took a plane and I went to their place. They said, just come, we will manage to do everything. I was already, I had already contacted the student's dorm in Dessau, where I need to study. They said, okay, you, we, we booked your room. So yeah, at first of week I spent it in Berlin and then I uh, went to the student dorm in the south. And um, the difficult part for me was I was one month late for the university because of visa problems. Because, of course, nothing goes smoothly in that uh, part of the world. <laughs> when I wanted to leave, the, the Lebanese government says you cannot leave now. You have the residence permit that connected to the one that insures you. I did. It was a complicated thing, so they postponed my my plan plan for uh, for like 20, 25 days. So I went to the university, which is was already one month late, uh, and. Um, it wasn't easy. Like the first semester was, uh, I had this cultural shock, I would say. <laughs> what was your cultural shock 
for example, what did you imagine and what was different or what surprised you or? To be honest, I like, you know, when you are a person who, who lived your whole life in one place, uh, meeting the people that all of them are basically like you or they have the same cultural background. Um, I didn't have that much of uh, in my mind what, what to expect. But it definitely was uh, very different from what I used to. Um, so this how or the program I studied uh, there, it was like really one of the best uh, experience I experiences I had. It was the two years I learned a lot, not in terms of uh, architecture or study, but in terms of the people I met, because we were basically. Uh, 70 person or something from 50 countries from all the continents in one place studying architecture and meeting all of these people and talking to them listening to their stories and how how they think how everything they do it was it was really amazing uh, so yeah back to to the cultural shock um, yeah uh, I mean everything is different. Uh, I, I don't know what's what specific uh, examples. I mean, you, you wanna you wanna hear exactly. Well, I don't know. For example, um, I can tell you that I had also, I mean, I come from, I was already with a very international background because uh, me and my family, um, I've grown up in a situation where we were going back and forth through between Bulgaria and Italy and Bulgaria and Italy have a different culture. So I was already, you know, used to this um, cultural difference. And I was, I have uh, already a, pr a pretty bright horizon. But when I moved to Germany, I discovered that also the German culture is very different. Uh, you have this um, way of relationship between the people, which is completely different than um, in Italy or Bulgaria or uh yeah, just yeah, yeah I guess. those general understanding of the people it's different here yeah definitely like I would say that the cultural that culture I have or the way that we um, spend our days in Syria it's I would say it's closer to what you used to have in Italy or that part of the world here in Germany it's really different but there's another layer to that uh, for me personally which is uh, you know, uh, in Syria or in Middle East, it's a conservative uh, kind of culture, and like it's mostly Muslims, and I am myself. Uh, and also, that's when I came here, and like you started seeing people from all over the world. Some of them have that, some of them they don't. Uh, and uh, yeah, I remember going to to university in the university to parties or something and then like they start saying like you don't drink alcohol i said i say no i don't drink like you've never tried it in your life like <laughs> i didn't i don't have the interest i am happy with the with the way i i live uh, i don't feel the urge that i want to uh, but uh, yeah, for them was like a very, very that's like one very small example I would say uh, about the thing. 
But was it for you? Was it for you also weird that people are drinking alcohol or? At some part, yeah, I would say at the beginning it will it will be weird. It was a bit weird, but then I ha- I met like great friends. Uh, we were always going together, and like they knew that I am the guy that. Uh, <laughs> like you know, don't drink, and like we were just enjoying our time after that. So at the beginning, yeah, it was a bit diff- a bit weird, but after that, it was very normal. But are there were there people? Like, because for example, uh, there are also you know people that are Muslim. I know people that are Muslim uh, Muslims. Um, I've my my best friends in Italy. Their their father is from Tunisia, mm-hmm. and um, their mother is Italian. They're not really you know Muslims, but they, for example, avoid to to eat pork uh, in respect of their father. And um, and their father also didn't eat pork, but for example, he he was used to drink uh, you know a glass of wine. And there are a lot of people from Tunisia or Morocco in Italy I've met that they were like, okay, we won't eat pork but we will um drink uh some alcohol were there people in in syria that are um for example not so respectful of the religion or was was there no alcohol at all uh i would say there wasn't that much i mean Let's say because also I said the majority were Muslims, but we had the also Christians. So alcohol, there were people like there were like places like you can buy alcohol or what you drink, but it was an an um, let's say accepted act to do it uh, publicly. Uh, so mostly the people will avoid. To do that on the street or something out somewhere outside, uh, there wasn't, I would say, or from the the circle I know, there wasn't that much of Muslims that will drink alcohol. But there, there definitely is people that do that. And also, I can imagine that, for example, for you, it's also sort of a tradition or the way you have been. Um, grown up with your culture with your family with your friends uh I, for example i have uh, some small i i'm bulgaria it's not a very religious country also because of the past which was communistic but um for example we have a particular christmas dinner or particular uh days in the year which we have some traditions which i which i like and um it's something that i will always have with me you know it's something that's uh, nice and i remember you told me that that uh, for example because i have experienced that with you while working with you you would do the um, uh, ramadan once in a year yeah. which is how, how long it lasts one month for one month that's for, for one month yeah. you don't eat while there is a uh, sunlight right as long as the sunlight is there, like we, we, I don't eat, I don't drink even water. Like yeah, true. The water thing was <laughs> hardcore, and I remember I felt so bad because we would have lunch right next to you, and you'd be like, "Oh, I cannot, I cannot stop, I cannot avoid it because it's just you know, it's weird if I don't do it. I feel bad if I don't do it." The, I, I understand what you mean. Like it was the first year for me. It was at the university. Uh, it was like very difficult because it was like uh, like this time of the year and it was so warm 
and I at the at the same time I had my finals, and for one month I was doing this, and even when there is a time to eat, I don't eat properly because I was stressed and with my projects. So the first summer I did Ramadan year was really difficult, but after that I got used to it basically. But for example, when you explain me the the meaning of this celebration, I thought it's very it's a very interesting, uh, cool cool tradition because it's to to teach you that you you cannot get everything what you want at the moment you want it, exactly. sort of to discipline you and and I think is that uh, that it's something that for example in the Western culture. Uh, it's completely missing right now because we are just, you know, we in this soul. We used to get whatever we want uh, instantly. Like, yeah, and uh, also with this COVID situation, we've seen how nuts we have gone here because we are like, you know, it's uh, it hasn't been such a challenging crisis. Like, I don't know, being dropped bombs over your head like you have experience. But people here, uh, you know, are super... I think that um, we're... In in the Western countries in general, in Europe, the U.S., North America, we haven't experienced big problems in two generations. Like, for example, we haven't experienced war. We haven't experienced um, a huge crisis. And uh, we are just, you know, trying to find meaningless problems in stuff that are not really a problem. And when there is a real problem, we just go really nuts. And I think that this... this um, quarantine and this whole lockdown situation has exposed that um but i remember that we have uh, had also a chat about uh you know i'll ask you that before that for example um also i think it's easier to follow your traditions back in syria where everybody follows the traditions uh and here it was also harder, right? Because you have all these, let's call it te- temptations. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, uh, and uh, and a lot of people uh, that came here in the recent years from that part or from that culture, they they didn't uh, like uh, follow that. And uh, I'm not saying that uh, okay, I'm I'm the good example to to be followed, but uh, because I am I am I believe in what I uh, what I get raised to, like in the religion I have in the culture, uh, I still believe in in those manners. So basically, here it was a challenge, uh, but also having uh, sometimes friends. Uh, from the same country, having the family, it helped me to to keep st- stay on the track. Let's say that I want myself to be on. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting because uh, now it shows you um, also that when, as I said, I, I was at the university, you start uh, like interact with people with a, with a very different. Uh, background and they when they start discuss that with you you see like how much point of views there is uh, out there and how there's different beliefs among peoples uh, but eventually when you are uh, happy with the with the the way you live that's that's uh, that's the important part but is there something that uh, you have, uh, you know, learned from from 
moving in 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 here in Germany, for example, some some um, cultural behavior or some social behavior that you have noticed, and then you have thought, okay, this is something that I I like to to learn too because I consider it something missing in my in in my background or something that you appreciate more because um yeah i think that i have uh for example in my in my personal uh, in my personal experience i have learned that um the best side of a country is also the worst side of a country for example bulgarians are generally very humble and that's good because you're humble but if you're too humble you never you know self-confident um, Italians are very friendly and very welcoming and uh, they like to enjoy life, but they do that every time, even when you need to do something uh, something serious. So even if it's about work, they're more like, you know, the leisure and, and being uh, chill. And the Germans are always serious, like a very organized, very, they need to be on point. Um, and this is also in the like personal life. You never can do something. It's very hard to do something spontaneous in your free time because just people like to organize in advance. But um, is there something that you, for example, although maybe it has also his its downsides as everything that you have said? Okay, here I've I've noticed this thing in Germany that I haven't practiced at all before, or that I haven't been practicing that much that I want to adopt myself because I think it's use, useful or it's different? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I would say the, 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 the one that comes to my mind is, um, which is in our part of the, like in my country, that, that to, to, to accept people that are different from me. Uh, and that's something or something is missing, I would say there. Uh, here you learn how to to know or to understand that there is a people that are really different from what you are. And that's here you need to uh, to understand and to learn how to listen to them, how to understand what they believe in and try to respect these people. Um, and that's something I like for sure I, I, I learned or like I gained in this five years here in Germany. And uh, the other part it will be basically being in Germany to be more punctual, like to, to be more strict about stuff, which is I don't want to take it fully as the German do it <laughs> because uh, I don't like that as well. We always need to have some spontaneously in our acts uh, or in our lives. Uh, but at certain point when you need to get your things done uh, or to work, uh, that's also really helped me. And it is something missing also in our culture, I will say. I guess that's that's the same also in, in Italy in some, in some ex- to, to some extent. Of course, of course, it, it's to a lot of extents. I mean, I I think that uh, Italy it's the country that you don't have. Um, uh, the problem with Italy is that you don't have some average, uh, like a, a middle, a middle value. Whether you have the extreme good, 
or the extreme bad. I mean, you have the worst, very worst mafia organization in the world, but also you have also, I don't know, the best fashion brands and the best design brands and the best sports car. And this is, to me, have been always fascinating. I think that there is something in between that's missing. Um, and so you have studied... Uh, how long? Two years in the South, right? Yeah, it was four semesters. Uh, I started studying there in 2015, and I graduated in the summer of 2017. So it was a four semester of study. It's a school that has a focus on um, on design in architecture. So it's not like a typical architecture where you have also classes to teach you, I don't know, building pyramids or uh, uh, structural structural uh, elements or, or whatever. So it was more focused on, on design and concepts, which was good for me. Uh, the main differences with what I had in Syria that uh, the design studios were really small. Like we were like eight or nine design studio with maximum 10 persons uh, in one studio, which is which was great actually, because you will have a, a weekly meeting with your professor for like six hours. You sit all of you together, you discuss all each project together and this interaction between students, because you have a quick, you, you put your work and you discuss it with your professor and then like the guys, the other guys starting to make an input to, to have a, a, a something to say and that's you. you, you learn a lot from this process and it was, it was something that uh, really helped me during that uh, years of study. And um, I've checked a little bit your portfolio online because I, I could find it. And you have done also some competitions and some uh, design projects. In, in Did you do that during your student life? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, in, my fr- in my second semester, uh, there was a studio, uh, which was at the same time a competition for designing um, a campus, uh, a university campus on... Uh, on a, an, uh, in Italy, in an island near to Venice, actually. It was an abundant uh, island, Boville, Bovilkia, cold or something, I remember, uh, which was the challenge to take that atmosphere and turn it into a special uh, university campus. And uh, I did this competition uh, with uh, another st- friend of mine at the same studio. She, she was uh, from Russia. And uh, we got a, fi- a finalist in this competition, actually, uh, which was fascinating for me because I, 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 it was the first time I do competitions. And uh, getting to be recognized uh, was something made me really happy and also also we got an invitation for the ceremony from the organization that did the competition it was in in Verona in Italy and that was the first time when I visited uh, your country uh, we went to Venice for a couple of days and then Verona and uh, it, it is a really beautiful country and of course there's a lot 
yet to see. I, I never, I, there's a lot of places I didn't see yet, and I'm willing to. But that's uh, basically the best time I visited uh, Italy because of the competition. Yeah, but I, I can. I'm just currently watching at your project, and the people um, who who are curious, they can find it uh, on Izu. I probably will add also a link on on the description of of this podcast so they can see your works because they look really really cool. Um, and um, then there is this other project I, I very much. Uh, and like and uh, I think you you also happy with it because it got realized. I saw pictures and it's on also on Arc Daily. So for the people who don't know, Arc Daily is the biggest uh, platform for architecture online. It's a website where there are a lot of works and projects listed on. Uh, it's this three uh, D jewelry pavilion. Um, yeah. Is that also a competition or what was what was the idea behind this project? Yeah, it was a competition. It was for a, for a um, uh, class called uh, CAD Logic, uh, which is uh, teach you the like each semester you have uh, different topics, uh, and the topics that for that class at that moment was uh, talking about the fabrication, the method of fabrication for uh, computational designs uh, in architecture, and it's not the field. Uh, my field of expertise, I would say, but it was very, very interesting for me. And it was one of the most uh, nice or like, let's say, uh, exciting experiences I had in at that two years of study. Uh, it was basically a competition between 10 groups in the university itself. And they said, okay, we need a pavilion that can be easily fabricated and we will showcase it in the campus fest that happening uh, each year in, at the university. So basically we were like uh, 10 groups, each group three, three to four people, and we need during the semester to find a design that is uh, uh, realizable and have certain uh, sense uh, of this uh, method that we were uh, getting like we were getting from the our professor in the class yeah. uh, so bas basically uh, I, I didn't expect to to reach a design that will get built really so basically we worked on it for the two months uh, our focus was to to stay on the ground because we noticed the others that were doing very cool designs but you can see, yeah, with the budget that the university will offer you to build this thing, there's no way that it's going to be done. So our challenge was to find this balance, having some excitement to it. Uh, and at the same time, it's, uh, it's uh, visible to, to get built uh, at the campus with this budget. Uh, and yeah, I guess uh, we, we submit our... Uh, our work and uh, then the university decided okay we will we will build this one and here comes the shock because we didn't really like we had the basic the principle that okay how to build it but we were we weren't really believe that it's it will be chosen and we didn't thought through how to fully build the thing so they said okay we will choose this project and now 
it's it's 29 of June. Uh, at 15 of July, we need this thing uh, in the campus standing. And we were three three people and like we looked at each other okay what now yet <laughs> so that was very very exciting uh, we worked for 15 days we had like a budget of a thousand on 200 euros so the materiality we chose was a cardboard uh, basically a cardboard and uh, a joints will be more or less like zip ties or something like it's very very simple method of uh, doing this thing. But basically, it is need to be fabricated digitally, or that was the point. But to fabricate that things digitally will cost you like five times as what you have, uh, the, uh, what you have in your budget. So we talked to the professor and we said, listen, the money we have, we cannot do this thing. So uh, they said, okay, we can do it manually. And we said, like, how we can do manual? And like I said, yeah, we will let everyone in the class, like, for two, three days, when you put all the drawings, uh, like, to cut this cardboard with their hands. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, and uh, basically, yeah, we extracted the model from Rhino. We unfolded each faces and, like, we printed that on a zero plans like we had 216 sheets and we bought the cardboards and we bought the people which they hate us for three days <laughs> they were always coming to us and said like you really had to choose this design we said like hey, what we can do but uh, everyone eventually had a really really fun time because it was like these summer days uh, and nights where we were like 30 people gathering together, having putting music in this large hall, cutting, doing. So it was like a small, my first project managing experience, I would say, to get something to your reality in, uh, in a certain time. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I think it's very cool because here in Germany, also in the university, it's very oriented on make you build something during the, the studies already. When, like, let me just uh, one point of the story. Like, when we uh, cut it, cut everything and we put it, the the stuff together, the column of this pavilion, we said, okay, now it's at night. We need to put it outside, and then it start pour pouring rain at that time. And we checked the weather. The next day was also the weather should rain. And here we got really depressed, what we should do now. So again, one of the guys, he said, okay, at the location, we can uh, uh, build our own small canopy to it. And we build it underneath that. And then hoping for the best until the next day that it won't be rain. And actually, that's what happened eventually. And it worked out. And actually, there's a video on Vimo, I guess, when you go to the school, Dia Live, Dia, the Sound International Architecture. There's a video with a time lapse with the music. It's, it's really cool. Like that shows you also this part where we, we build this small canopy and we built everything underneath that. And after that, it worked out and uh, it was a great day at the campus fest. And um, yeah, uh, the professor said us like let's submit that to Art Daily. I I never personally expected to to get recognized somehow, <laughs> but uh, eventually it did. 
it was like not in a, in a one post, it was like among these students' project that got built at that year. Very cool. If we, if we, if you have the links of the video and the in the links of uh, Arcdale, we will attach all the all the links to the description of the episode, so people, so the people who listen can go and check uh, your work. Yeah. Um, but after you graduated, then you finished the, the school in in whatever time you needed. And uh, how did you transition here in Germany to the professional world? Because um, I think you have told me, I mean, I guess that um, because I've experienced that myself um, when I was a kid, not really. My parents took care of those stuff. But um, when I was a kid, Bulgaria wasn't in the European Union. So I needed to have a visa or a permit to to live in Italy. And they were caring, taking care of those stuff. And now it's all European Union and I have an Italian passport too, so it's not a problem. But mm. how did you stay in Germany when you finished school? You needed to find a job. How did that work? Uh, yeah, basically, like here nowadays in Germany, like not only for students or for the special situation that we have, they everyone like who graduate, they do this really, in my opinion, smart move where they give you uh one year or one and a half year which called uh, job seek visa which they say basically okay you have one and a half a year to find your job in your field of study uh, and basically it took me after graduation uh, about two or one and a half months to find something because the biggest challenge for me was the language Like the program I studied in was uh, in English completely. And at that time, I didn't learn a proper German. I was start doing some German classes in between, but my level was always maximum A2, I would say, beginning of the end, I don't know. So always they were like saying, okay, the language is a proper program. Like you don't have any European experience in somehow. So I was firstly looking in Berlin because that's what I want, where I wanted to stay. But um, uh, I applied after that uh, in other cities until I found uh, a job in Frankfurt. And in these three months between the job and the graduation, I worked in a cafe uh, in Tegel in Berlin, which was a which was a cool experience for me because also in Syria we don't have that. Um, that thing that you will work in a restaurant or a cafe that, that much among the students like because they're mostly the family like the parents will support you financially so there i worked for a, in a cafe for three months and uh, i really enjoyed the experience of uh, doing something completely unrelated to what i studied and uh, to have some interaction direct interaction with the uh, people on a daily basis That's that was something uh, I liked actually. And and then you applied also to different cities, and this is how you ended up in in Frankfurt to work. Exactly. Here. That's well, that's where I ended in Frankfurt uh, at the office where we met basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I uh, there, like I got several, like several offers. I just one from Munich and one from Frankfurt. Uh, but for me, having the talk with the, with the people from the office, 
they, I eventually choose to the office in the Frankfurt. But for me, the problem that from the beginning they said, look, we speak English, but we are in Germany, uh, so we will speak with you only in German. And uh, <laughs> the first couple of months is, uh, when I start working there, it was crazy. Like, uh, they will come to me, uh, tell me, okay, you have this task, you need to do this, this, this. Uh, uh, that's uh, what's the background, that's what uh, you need to be to, to deliver. And I would not understanding 30% of what they will tell me, tell me. And then you have the struggle to figure out everything and uh, to, to make it work. But luckily for us in our field in architecture, you know, we have this um, visual way of communication. So you can translate everything to drawing eventually to communicate, even if your language wasn't at the level or at the needed level. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, parallel to, to the work, I was doing German classes after work for two hours, uh, three times a week, which is uh, which was uh, really exhausting for me because you will go to work from 9 to 6 or 7, and then 7.30 you have a class for two hours until 9.30, and then like you are at home dead 10 or 10 something. So that was, uh, that was like uh, a lot. But it helped me a lot to improve the language. And that's, I guess, where in these uh, two years of working there at that office, uh, that I improved uh, the language uh, a lot. Yeah, I've seen that too because I've worked with you. And I haven't worked with you a lot in the beginning. I think I started having something to do with you when you when you already knew German. But I understand you because for me it was the same. But uh, I was... Uh, I was uh, in the same situation in the beginning. Um, but maybe for me it was a little easier because in the beginning I was um, sort of an intern because I was a student here in Germany and I was working beside my studies. So I didn't have the pressure because I knew that even if I um, had a little lack in my language skills, I wasn't a f full-time employee. So they they didn't have those big expectations from me as yeah, for a normal employee. And uh, is your situation now stable in Germany? Because I remember you were also working towards um, some limited permit to live here. Or how was this currently your situation? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, now I got uh, a permit for five years, that will, which is connected to my current uh, work uh, in Berlin. But uh, I applied for the, uh, which is called unlimited uh, residency uh, in Germany, which is uh, in progress. I hope to hear something in a couple of weeks or a month. I don't know. If I get this, then that will um, will be a big thing for me because that will mean I can stay in Germany as long as I want, uh, regardless of my employment situation, which is. Uh, you avoid a lot of pressure in, in this matter. 
I I understand. I I remember when we got that in Italy with my family, and then I think a year later or something, Bulgaria <laughs> was part of the EU and was totally. We have these all these papers, which I think my dad and my mom kept kept those papers for a while because they were, you know, uh, emotionally connected because <laughs> a lot of struggles and 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 suddenly you don't need any anything of all the stuff you have done for years because. Um, I think we have moved, well, it was seven, uh, we've moved, my dad have moved to Italy when uh was five, I think, Um and he went in 1998, and we moved in 2000, mm-hmm. and I think Bulgaria joined the EU in 2007, so it's been for seven years, a lot of struggles, and then okay. suddenly okay. no more. Yeah. Like I have now my at uh, at home my my paperwork it's like three shelves full of stuff that uh, I mean even uh, even without this permits problem like I guess even for you like in Germany you always have a lot of paperwork because they love sending everything in post like they don't yeah but <laughs> that's that's very f- interesting because for example for me as a EU citizen. Um, I didn't have any paperwork. I just came and I said, I'm living here. And they said, okay, and that's it. Um, but I guess that um, for, and imagine that in Italy was back then, Italy is way more disorganized than Germany. So I think that uh, we have had way more paperwork than you have been doing here. <laughs> but Okay. <laughs> And and um, but I'm happy that you're finally finally achieving these little goals for your personal, you know, life security. And how will how is the situation currently in Syria? Is it getting better? Because like the the worst the war part, uh, how is the COVID situation there? If there is any COVID situation, because if they're not testing for sure, there is no yeah virus. Unfortunately, it's it's still not good. Um, it's not the same in the same sense where when I was there uh, in 2013. It's in a very different matter, but it's still I'm in a, in a connection with my with my family, my parents, uh, uh, and they um, whenever I talk to them, like every time the situation is. Uh, not getting better in terms of like they have this economical siege I would say where the situation is not getting better in any um, matter to let the people work and have a, a bit of a normal life there so still my my father couldn't get his business back because the economy is, is not good in any sense and uh, yeah, also the infrastructure, it's really, uh, it's really uh, old and uh, these years of wars that make it made it even worse. So electricity will still have it like during your 24 hours, you will have three years on three, uh, three, years, three, three hours on three hours off for the, the whole day. Which is yeah, crazy. I still like. I, I think it's a mess. And um, do you do you think there will be chances uh, anytime soon to your parents to come over or for you to go back visit them? Because I I remember also they couldn't uh, get a visa to come visit you, and you cannot also go back currently. Uh, it's it's still unclear. I've tried a lot. 
uh, I am trying now to have another method of uh, applying for visa for them, which is uh, a program that they ask you to have a certain level of security to invite them here, which is still a bit far from what I have currently, but uh, hopefully at certain point I will be able to do so. And I'm still not able to. Uh, I'm not able to go back to Syria. Since I yeah. 2013, I couldn't get back, and I still can't. Uh, so yeah, uh, in the in the near future, it doesn't see sounds or seems to to be any chances that I can still meet with my my parents. Yeah, well, I I hope for the best in in that situation. I know that it's a very messy situation, and now with this whole pandemic, it's even messier because the borders uh, of Europe for for the other continents are mainly closed. Uh, we'll see how it will unfold. And um, the last time we have talked on the phone, you, you have said that uh, also you got inspired and. You're you're planning to 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 move something into the direction of uh, also archivists. Uh, how how about that? How what are the ideas for the future? Uh, uh, even if they are rough ideas, you can tell me just something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like oh, the first the first thing that I uh, you know when you are in a, in a country like for example for you now you know that Frankfurt is the city you wanna stay in. For me, I achieved that goal by knowing that Berlin is the city I want to stay in, and now now in Berlin, and I'm happy here. So now I'm thinking professionally because now I'm working in a you know an office on a big project. Uh, it's, it's an office building, and then I'm I'm in Ausform planning. And uh, you know, before in Frankfurt, I didn't do Ausform planning. Now I am doing Ausform, uh, and Basically, I got a rough idea about all the design or like all the, the stages that the building, almost all the stages that the building get through. And uh, I don't know if I am yet uh, finding myself doing that for a long time. So I always had the passion for doing uh, visualization, even though I am still not in the level which uh, there, there, there is out there, but I'm definitely trying to improve and get there. So I had the idea with a friend of mine, a colleague in my current office, okay, he's, he has the same passion. So we said, okay, basically let's try do uh, something about it. So basically now we are planning to, to build a database, um, uh, a kind of a website and uh, to shape up our work. Uh, and then we will start doing uh, maybe some freelance work about that. But it's still not clear. Like this idea needs, needs really a, long, a lot of planning yet because and now the question will arise of what's what's with our current employment, what that will mean. And we, and with my current visa situation, I don't have the luxury to say, okay, I will quit, I will do this only, and like you cannot start uh, this way. So that's that still needs a lot of planning. But definitely, uh, your 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 show helped me helped me actually to 
to have this decision <laughs> to your first uh, episodes when you talked about uh, the fear of showcasing your work and how to improve your skills uh, presentation or whatever like uh, it really and then like you you, you had uh, your guest from Italy ah Federico Biancolo yeah he's also uh, in the business yeah that's really inspired me like uh, listening to his story and how he took the decision, okay, I don't want to do a design anymore. And, you know, as an architect, it's not an easy decision to take, to say, okay, I studied for 10 years, whatever, I did the work, and then I don't want to do design anymore. And I want to do this. And that's not easy to, to say, but uh, I found it really inspiring because doing visualization makes me happy. It's something I like. Uh, I enjoy, I have the passion for uh, and uh, here you have the chance to have the business out of it, even though it's a very challenging, competitive market because you see how much amazing, talented people out there doing this. And uh, yeah, you just need to... to and I always uh, describe myself as more of a hard worker. Uh, but that's that's a good part of, of in our creative field also. So I will I will we will see. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you will manage also the documentation part and the the bureaucracy. It's just a matter of time. Um, I want to I want to thank you for for sharing this story. It was very interesting, very different. I I'm sure that people will will um, enjoy it and whenever your project uh, it's moved further on and there is more about it you you're always welcome to to come back now that uh, you have been once on the show and tell us about the process behind and how it's developing i'll be curious you will be very welcome um so thank you very much and um i want to give you as any other um guests of mine uh the possibility to shout out uh some of your contacts or social media so that uh if there are people who are curious to to contact you personally ask you questions or just get in touch uh, where they can do that Oh yeah, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, of course I don't. Um, I won't make it so complicated. I would say simply uh, contacting uh, through Instagram. Uh, it's the, the it's simply my name Nabil or Adub. I guess you can uh, put the link in the description. Uh, and yeah, you can basically anyone uh, wants to contact me for whatever reason, I will be available there. And also I will let leave the link for the videos we talked about. Uh, during the episode and yeah that's that's all from my side cool and i'll i'll add also the the link of your portfolio because i think that the projects are very very inspirational for the people who are uh, curious it's and updated but uh, yeah it is it is uh, also good <laughs> yeah and thank you very much for the people who have listened and uh, I want to, to to thank you for listening and if you like the show you can support the show by just following the Instagram page uh, at DCI Podcast or uh, the Facebook or LinkedIn pages The Creative Insider and thank you very much thank you Nabil and um, enjoy your weekend thanks you too have fun bye 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 bye